Dunkin's new wake-up go-tos mean you never have to choose between breakfast meats again. Now you can get a wake-up wrap with bacon and a wake-up wrap with sausage for $3. That's savory and sweet, crispy and spicy. It's everything you love about breakfast for $3. Wake up your day with new wake-up go-tos. Get two egg and cheese wraps for $2 or mix and match your favorite meats with two bacon, ham, sausage, or turkey sausage wraps for $3. America runs on Dunkin'. Participation may vary. Exclusion apply. Limited time offer. The available AKG 36 speaker sound system in the Cadillac Escalade provides 360-degree sound, so you hear studio sound on the road. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving. Thanks for listening to Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast, keeping you up to date with the latest in American soccer. And don't forget to subscribe. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast. My name is Jake Watroba, and joining me as all is Stephen Jodoran. Armand Kafai has the night off. On today's episode, we welcome back Uncle Sam Soccer Podcast contributor Jason to the show as we discuss all things U.S. Men's National Team, including the U23s. Please make sure you follow the show on Twitter at Uncle Sam Soccer Pod. As always, you can find the show on any major podcast platform. Make sure you hit that subscribe button and leave us a five-star review. Now, Let's get to today's episode. Joining us now on the show, it's the Stephen A. Smith of soccer. It's Jason. You can follow him on Twitter at HomesweetSoccer. Jason, welcome back. How you doing? Holla at you, boy. What's going on, uglies? <laughs> Not wrong I don't think there. Anyone has ever, I, I don't think anyone has ever called us that before. I like it. <laughs> Why we're, we're doing podcasts, right? Because we have such lovable faces. Jason, actually, we've been call, we have been called Euro Snobs mm. and MLS Fanboys. So it's a little perplexing on what exactly we are here at Uncle Sam Soccer Podcast. Gotcha. The worst of both worlds. Yep. Love it. So I think we're doing something right. But let's talk about the U.S. men's national team. And let's just begin with the Twitter controversy. Tyler Adams playing right back. And uh, now I'm reading from Yahoo Sports, Doug McIntyre, quoting Burhalter saying, Tyler, we want to use him as a right back. Guys, is this a big deal? Are we supposed to be this insanely on Twitter, just going berserks. Well, there's there's a second part of the statement that I'm more concerned about, and it's Tyler's going to be playing right back, but then Yedlin's going on the wing. And so with Yedlin on the wing, that's cool. I haven't watched a lot of Newcastle this year, so I don't know how great, and you guys might be able to answer it since you're Euro snobs, but how good... <laughs> Is his crosses and how comfortable is he being that person that's already upfield and already on the attack and not overlapping? Well, you know what's really interesting that now that you mentioned that, 
I was reading, I don't remember if I was reading from Doug McIntyre or somebody else. Basically, Burhalter was suggesting that he spoke with Yedlin and he didn't want to put Yedlin in an uncomfortable position. I'm like, hold up. This dude is a starting right back for Newcastle United. And he's uncomfortable playing right back with the U.S. men's national team? Something is not clicking here. Well, Stephen, you have to take into consideration Burhalter's tactics. And now Jason can probably speak to this better than I can because I'm not the tactician here. Uh, and I've never been known to be that on this show. But from I mean, just speaking with Armand, how Burhalter likes to use his fullbacks in possession, they almost act as central midfielders and tuck in. Yep, absolutely. And I don't believe DeAndre Yedlin is cut out to be playing in the midfield. Yeah, I, I think, and I think that's what it comes down to. You're like you're going to see a lot of Tyler, like you said, tucking in the middle and then going up. And I think that specific position requires somebody with a lot of energy to be able to go back and to be able to come forward with possession. You know, send the passes in, disrupt any counterattacks. And thankfully, Tyler, being my most energetic son is a position that I think that we all should probably calm down. I know uh, a couple weeks ago or last week, uh, one of you guys said relax. And I think that's the <laughs> advice that everyone needs to take right now. Just relax about Adams because we don't know exactly how Burt Halter is going to use him. And I think you're absolutely right. I think he needs somebody that's going to be able to tuck in and can play kind of that dual midfield and right back position in a no, there's there's no doubt, and, and I know you you raised some concerns about Yedlin on the wing, Jason. But one thing I will say is, with his pace, I, I think Yedlin, and and this remains to be seen if he's going to be a starter or if he's going to be used as a super sub in in games. His pace along the outside there will will, will be beneficial in that it can stretch out uh you know opposing defenses and and give back lines something to to worry about. Yeah, I, I would love to see him as a super sub, um, kind of in familiar or kind of what, what um we saw with Jonathan Lewis, right? Coming off the bench, making those runs, having the fresh legs, and being able to beat, you know, any kind of right back or left back that is on the field. And there's not a lot of people that Yedlin can't beat one on one, right? My my only issue, and like I said, I haven't watched a lot of Newcastle, I'm watching more now because of the Almarone uh situation, but I don't know how his crossing is. I don't know how his delivery is. And when it comes to Bert Halter putting his boy Zardes up there up top, that's what he's looking for, right? He he needs those crosses so that Zardes can get and put his head on it. And so that, that's the thing to where as a super sub, I'm 100% behind that. I would love to see that. I don't know if he's going to be the starter, starting material that the U.S. national team needs to fit that system. Yedlin in the Premier League 2018-2019, uh, 27 appearances, one goal, two assists. He's, okay. what, 84% of the time in the starting 11? Overall, I think Burhalter has the right to be unique and test things. Once the World Cup, Jake, can you remind me when the World Cup is the next one that the U.S. men's national team will attempt to qualify for? I believe that'll be in, what, the end of November 2022, if I'm not mistaken. So why the stress? Why the worry? We finally have a manager, albeit six months too late. He's going to test his lineup. This is the time to do it. I mean, 
what are we expecting I'm, Berhalter to do? Sit there and listen to Twitter for all his tacticians and read The Athletic and Yahoo Sports and NBC Sports to get all the advice on how he's supposed to set up his lineup? No. Well, let, let's let's take a hot take right now, though. If Twitter was coaching, would the U.S. national team made the last World Cup? I just want you <laughs> to think about that. I think the answer is an overwhelming yes. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about the rest of this roster. Um, is there anybody that you guys look? I know Zach Steffen is out, and they mm-hmm. replaced him with Jesse Gonzalez, who I personally don't know will ever play a meaningful game <laughs> for the U.S. national team. But you know, it's good to at least see him get the opportunity and get to see him in the pool. But um, the, the one person that stands out for me a little bit that I'm confused about. And I don't know if it's just because it's Burholter's boy, but what has Will Trap actually done to show that he can lead in that position, whether he's backing up for Bradley, Bradley's the starter, or pushing to compete for that starting job? Honestly, I have no idea. For the longest of time, I thought Will Trap was brought in because he's a level-headed guy, but he sucks on the pitch. His passing's atrocious. He gets lost in the midfield. I just simply don't know what use Will Trapp has and whether or not he even has a future on this U.S. men's national team with the talent that sits behind him, especially with the U23s, which we'll talk about here in a couple of minutes. I, I just think it illustrates just how little depth they have behind Michael Bradley, too. I mean, yeah, I'm not a big fan of Will Trapp. I don't understand why he constantly or has been getting call-ups over the last, you know, I don't know, what, eight eight, 12 months. I, I, I don't, I don't understand it, but I think that more so speaks to the, the fact that there's no one really behind Michael Bradley. That's of quality. So one thing that I think might be, and probably in my opinion would be the most beneficial reason why he gets called up. Maybe. And I look at this roster and it seems like it's a couple of these guys, right? There's a couple of guys that I don't think are going to be playing that were playing in the, in the earlier camp, right? In the January camp that played in those friendlies. Right. So when you look at them, maybe they're potentially only in this camp to kind of teach the veterans this system, right? So instead of the veterans coming in and having to learn it from scratch and having to have Bertalter go individually, now you have a player in that position who's already played a couple games in the system, who's had the camp, that knows how it's worked, and can tell you, hey, you need to be positioned here, and when the ball goes to this side, you need to push up. And so maybe that's why he has someone like Will Trap in the camp who can maybe teach Bradley how that how that you know uh, system works, especially since Will Trap has the experience Michael Bradley in that position. But and I and I don't like him from a defensive standpoint, right? Who's going to cover that ground? Because I don't think he can. But at the same time, I don't think anyone's going to is passing as well as him in that position. And you guys can chime in if you agree, but I can't think of anyone who is an overall better offensive threat in that position. You know, I think Will Trapp might be better defensively, but like you said, he's not going to be making the passes that Bradley's making. No, I, I, I agree. There, I, I don't believe there's anybody better than Michael Bradley, at least, at least right now in the pool, which is crazy coming from my mouth because I rip Michael Bradley every chance I get on this show. Uh, one thing I will ask is, jokingly, what's Kyle Beckerman doing? Maybe he can step in and... <laughs> yeah... Hopefully, hopefully he's looking at um some some retirement homes in South Florida because uh, yeah he he might be he might be done for. 
Well, I mean, we might as well touch on the U23s now. Jason, is there somebody from this U23 rosters that you would see step in into this midfield that is heavy and talented with names? I know Adams will play a right-back position, but you have Weston McKinney from Schalke, Christian Pulisic from right now at Borussia Dortmund. Michael Bradley being the elder man here at, what, on the other wrong side of 30, do we see some names that could fill in and be that next Michael Bradley, but who is below the age of 23? I guess that's that's the question, right? So you look at guys like James Sands, who's, I think, 18 years old, you know, starting to get some professional playing time. And you wonder if, you know, I think we have a good pool of central defensive midfielders. The thing is, can they pass, right? How are they doing offensively? I think right now we have a stockpile of good central defensive midfielders who can interrupt, right? And so, but what happens, you know, when counterattacks, who's springing that? What happens when, you know, they actually do interrupt the play and they need to move forward? So, So I would like to see, you know, like, for instance, you know, I think if you can give... Sand some minutes. It would be great to see him come in and learn that and that he's got time, right? So I, I guess the real fearful thing is who's going to immediately take over for Bradley. And so when you look at the midfielders that they brought in, Derek Jones, who thank God doesn't have to be in this purgatory of sitting on the union bench and playing 40 minutes every 20 games and then not playing for the steal. So it's always good to see him, but he's definitely someone that is almost like a McKinney type to where he's, he's better at interrupting and can go sideways to sideways, but I think McKinney's a little better move forward with him, right, which is why McKinney can play in that striker position. I don't think Derek is anyone who wants to go too far above to the box. Um, and I could be wrong, right? I wouldn't know because the union decide not to play him for two years, but uh, it's definitely I'm definitely excited to see him in the U23 camp. And then, of course, Georgie with Chicago. It's exciting to see him. One person I'm really interested, though, is Keaton Parks because I was at the game in Philly when they played Bolivia, and Keaton Parks was one of the best players, if not the best player on the field, and there was all this hype around him, and then it slowly kind of died down. So I'm really looking forward to see what Keaton Parks can do because I know offensively he can bring a lot. And so if he can get that into and maybe actually have a future of someone being able to take over that Bradley spot. Jason, uh, I wanted to ask you a question here before we wrap things up. What do you make of the Jason Kreiss hire with the U23 team? Uh, Oh, boy. Uh, (laughs) You know, I look at this U23 pool and I'm excited. I think there's a ton of talent. Um, I think there's a lot of players who we haven't seen much of that we'll get to see more of. And, you know, looking at like Josh Perez, for some, for instance, Haji Wright, um, Eric Palmer Brown should be in there. He even, I think, was discussed the being released by his club to go there. So I'm assuming that he might have picked up an injury. So hopefully he's doing OK. I'm excited to see Jackson. Yo, but. I, I think the most important role in this U23 camp is Jason Christ because this is a talented group, probably one of the most talented U23 camps I think I've seen going into the Olympics, and we need to qualify. There's some national teams who don't need to qualify, right? They know that they have guys that they can integrate into their veterans or into their senior team and be fine. I don't think we have that. I think right now we have a pool of all this talent, and we know Wea is going to end up being 
on the senior team most likely. We know Sargent's going to be on the senior team most likely. But everything else is a is a crapshoot, right? Like when you look at left back, you know, is Robinson's going to be there? You've got, you know, my boy Robinson, Miles Robinson here in Atlanta, who's been killing it at center back. So is he going to be, you know, pushing to potentially be on the senior team and try to push out, you know, an aging Johns Brook or, or you know, Miazga, who may or may not be a consistent player? So it's important for Christ to be able to play these players and showcase their talent and showcase the consistency of them because this is going to be very important moving forward. The U.S. needs to be playing in the Olympics. This is not one of those teams to where we know which players are going to be on the senior team in the next two years. We have a ton of talent right now, and it's Christ's job to separate it to show who is best fitted to move forward. Do I think he can do that? Uh, you know, we'll have to see. I I, I don't know for sure. Uh, but yeah, I think he definitely has the most important job, and I'm not going to knock him until it starts, but at least looking at the pool, I'm happy with a lot of decisions that he made. If he's the one that made these decisions to bring him in, I don't know. Um, one person I do wish would get some kind of a look is um, Dwayne Holmes. I think he's been consistent. He's been playing. He's got a goal on three assists this year. Uh, I think he's someone that could take that Corey Baird spot in the senior team instead. Um, but, you know, like I said, I think it doesn't make sense to bring him right now because I think Burr Halter is uh, using the, the kids that were in the camp in January to teach the, the veterans the system. And he's 24. So now he doesn't qualify for the U23s. But, yeah, I think uh, Christ has a hard job. Um, don't think it's as hard as Burr Halter's, but I think it's more important right now. Well, we appreciate it, Jason. Listeners, give him a follow at Home Sweet Soccer. You don't want to miss the spicy takes from the Stephen A. Smith of American Soccer. And after the break, we'll discuss more of the Jason Christ hire. Jake, Jason Christ, what do we remember of him? NYCFC, and I remember that he struggled at Orlando City, and that's about it. What was his winning percentages, or what was his stat line at those two clubs? In 35 matches with NYCFC, he had 10 wins, 18 losses, and 7 draws, which is a win percentage of 28.57%, and at Orlando City SC, 63 games, 23 wins, 28 losses, and 12 draws with a winning percentage of 36.51%. Steven, that is not very encouraging. No, but let's let's be fair. He was successful. At the time of the hire, Christ had become the youngest head coach in MLS at 34 years and 127 days old. He actually led them to MLS Cup in 2009, which is great. Fine, 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 fine. But Christ has left a sour taste in a lot of our mouths, especially with NYCFC. When he was kind of, you know, appointed 
the next great thing. Remember how NYCFC went after him thinking they could take what he learned at RSL and lead NYCFC right out of the you know, blocks as an expansion franchise? Yeah, and obviously it, it didn't pan out the way they expected it to. Like I said, 10 wins, 11 draws, or 11 losses and 7 draws over 35 matches. Now you could say that NYCFC was an expansion side that year. Not as much talent, not as much depth. You know, wasn't really Jason Kreiss's fault. But I say his most recent results as a manager suggest that maybe he's not as good as we thought he was 10 years ago. So there, there are two components to this. One, will he be successful and will he accomplish the goals of the U23s? Will he accomplish what he needs to do at the U23 level? And two, is he going to develop these players right enough, fit enough, tactically aware of what Greg Berhalter wants at the senior level? Because there has to be some sort of coherent message throughout the U.S. men's national team, particularly when you get to the senior and the U23s, because the U23s, they're a a talented bunch that can easily make that senior level jump. Steven, you're you're right. It's, It's like Barcelona, how they have every player at every level within their system playing the exact same way. And it is a little concerning if Jason Kreiss wants to play a different system than Greg Berhalter. It, it, it is a little concerning that these players won't be playing the same way. So in case they do get a call up to the national team, they, they, they might not know what to do or what is expected of them. Eight players have already made their senior men's national team debut. And some of them have had significant playing time. Sergeant, Wea, Cameron Carter-Wickers. So my question is, and to the people that Jake and I have spoken to, Crisis System, generally speaking, is is different from Greg Berhalter. Will there be some sort of relaying of messages between Berhalter and Christ? Will we see that? Do we even need it to play devil's advocate? Do we even need that coherent message between the two squads? I know the U23s are preparing to... You know, this long journey to the 2020 Summer Olympics in Tokyo. From regular expenses to occasional splurges, there's a lot to buy. Why not get cash back every time you spend? With the PenFed Power Cash Rewards Card, you get cash back on every purchase. That's everywhere, every time you use it. You can even earn a $100 statement credit when you spend $1,500 in the first 90 days. Visit PenFed.org slash PowerCash to apply. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. The available AKG 36-speaker sound system in the Cadillac Escalade provides 360-degree sound. Not just here or here, but everywhere. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving.